just, you know, those things that fly in, fly out, you know, blow up and blow out. Come on. But becoming those people, those individuals for God that really do what we're called to do. And how many of you realize we've been talking about power ever since this year began? We've been talking about power inside of us, for us, and then through us. We've, I mean, we talked about that over the last few weeks. We talked about it the whole first of the part of the year. And this has been a setup. What I want you to understand is it's been a setup because I believe that we're living in a time, not, not, to, not to be, uh, um, goodness, I've got to be careful here. Uh, but it's all right because my clock up here says it's only 1019, so I've got an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> Jesus on the main line. I'm just teasing. Some of you just had a, had a, just a, a flutter. Just, oh, God, Jesus. Oh, get over yourself. Um, uh, but uh, I'll let you out early. I'll let you out at 11 o'clock today. Um, you're one and only. That's it. I'm giving to you. But listen, what, what this is, is I believe that God has been setting us up so that we can be prepared to do, because we're living in a time we're living in a day and age. Now listen, this is not, you know, I know I sound old-fashioned when I say that, but understand, we're living in very volatile times of the earth, of the world, of our nation. You know, I, I asked somebody the question just yesterday. I said, when did we lose the ability to talk to each other and still respect each other? When did we in America lose the ability to be civil in our discourse with each other? That, that I could have a discussion with you, even if I didn't agree with you or you didn't agree with me, but we could still be friends. Now, I'm going to unfriend you. You know, you don't see it my way, so I'm going to hate on you. Listen. I am not listening. This is one of the reasons why I do not do uh, politics on Facebook. Because they don't know what you're really saying all the time. And, and, and listen, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here to preach against Facebook. That's not my point. My point is, we're living in a day and an age where we, we came through this, this time of everybody being offended and now we're mad. We're mad in our society. We're mad in the world. We're mad in the nation. We're just, we're angry and we're, we're upset and, and, and you didn't see it my way and you don't think it my way and since you don't, you are this and that and the other. Okay. And listen, there, there may be some folk out there that are this, that and the other. I, you know, I, I'm sure there are. The problem with it is, the Bible says that they're going to know we are His by what? Not our ability to post our feelings on Facebook, but our ability to love like Jesus loves. Right. Isn't that easy? Oh, well, you saying I have... No, 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 listen, don't, don't get yourself all tense. What I'm saying is that the way He loves us is the way that He can love through us. But listen to me, that's going to take some power and that's going to take some communication with us and Him and Him with us. We're going to have to be in communication because here's what I believe that God has called us to be. And we are called to be giant killers. Now, you, you'll get this on the way home. And that's where I'm going now in this next two weeks. I, I promise. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll get you in and get you out today because I know you've got stuff to do. 
But, but listen, what I want you to understand is that I believe that God has called us to be giant killers. Now you say, what are you talking about, Pastor? What I'm talking about is that God has called us to do something for Him. God has called us to do something in this city. He's called you to do something in your family. He's called you to do something at your job. He's called you to be Him everywhere that you go. You say, giant killer, Pastor. What do you talk? Well, look, let me, just, let me just share very quickly. I'll share this with you very quickly. In the Bible, the word giant doesn't mean just a big individual, but it also means a bully and a tyrant. Are you right? Are you listening to me? So it doesn't just mean a big, huge individual. It means also a bully or a tyrant. And it comes from the root word that means to cause to fall and be cast down, to be judged inferior or by mistake, to overwhelm and to throw down. That's what giants do. That's what bullies do. They, they cause others to fall and be cast down. They judge the others around them as inferior or by mistake. And they try to overwhelm and throw other people down. That's what giants do. That's what bullies and tyrants do. Let me just be honest with you. Every person in this room today... I know I don't have to even, I don't even have to have a great deal of the Holy Spirit within me to know that every person in this room today has had to face off with some giants and some bullies in their life. I know that. I realize that. You know, maybe, maybe yours are giants of finances. Maybe, maybe it's finances or debt. Maybe, maybe you had to face off with giants of fear or, or maybe abuses in the past where people have abused you. Maybe you're, maybe you're the one that had to face off with giants of insecurity and hurts. You know, maybe maybe uh, for others it could be health issues. Well, you've had giant health issues that you've had to deal with. Or relationship problems. Anybody in the house, don't raise your hand because they may be here today. But how many of you have ever had to deal with some relationship problems and issues? Maybe even some giants and some bullies of sin or guilt that we never really released over to Jesus. I mean, I know that there are giants that, that work to overwhelm us by, by saying we're less than enough or, or we'll never really be what God calls us to be. There are bullies that love to shout out about every mistake you've ever made in the past in order to keep you from ever moving on into the future. But whatever name, whatever name they go by or, or wherever they come from, what I know is that we've all had or have some giants and some bullies that need to be dealt with in our lives. Can I, can I tell you just very quickly, now I promise, I, I promise, I'm going to try to do this as, as, as best I can in the time, but Genesis, the sixth chapter, the fourth verse, is the first record of giants in the Bible. It says there in Genesis 6, 4, there were giants in the earth in those days. Now what you have to understand is that's Genesis 6. Three chapters prior to that is when man fell in the garden into sin. So three chapters prior, when sin enters, just a couple chapters later, so do the giants and the bullies. Are you getting this? What I'm trying to tell you is this simple thing. Right here at the beginning of this series, right as we begin to get into this this morning, what I need to tell someone is that the greatest bully of your life, the greatest bully of our lives, Satan, was dealt with at Calvary by our older brother, our Redeemer, our kinsman, Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that He took Him to Calvary, and right there He said, It is 
finished. Because he dealt with that bully, the enemy. But what I also need you to understand is that there still is a bully in this world that is trying to threaten us and trying to intimidate us and trying to judge us by our past rather than our redemption. Turn to somebody and tell them, say, boy, he's talking to you, isn't he? Now, let me me take you. If you have a Bible, and I promise we'll, we'll... Try to get this to you this morning. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Samuel. We're going to go there in just a few moments. 1 Samuel, the, uh, we'll, we'll try to go over to the, uh, the 17th chapter in just a few moments. But um, there, there's probably, in 1 Samuel, there, there's probably the most famous chapter or the fam- most famous story about a giant and a giant killer, right? And of course, 99% of you know that I'm going to talk about David and Goliath, Right? Well, it's the, it's the, you know, we, even if you're not religious, we still use that analogy, you know, it's the David against the Goliath, or it's the, it's the underdog against the, you know, the big bully and the big giant, and, and we love those kind of stories where the, you know, the underdog or the little guy, he gets out on top and he wins. It's awesome when we see those. And, and that's right there in the scripture. But to understand this story, what I want you to understand is, to understand the story of David and Goliath, you actually need to go back just a little ways in their history. What you may not understand, and, and I don't have time to go too far into it, but what you may not understand is that there is a story prior to David and Goliath about a lady by the name of Naomi. And Naomi and her husband and two sons, two sons, there we go, I was putting her husband in there, but the two sons, they moved out of Israel over to the land of Moab because there was a famine in Israel. Now, while Naomi and her husband and her two sons are there, her boys get married, and, and uh, they marry two ladies by the name of Ruth and Orpha. That's a name that I... Wish somebody would just resurrect and, and bring it back out to the present, uh, present century. Here's my daughter, Orpha. <laughs> it's just it's one of those names. But, you know, I, maybe back in those days it, was, it meant beautiful lady. I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. But anyway, uh, we have Ruth and Orpha. Well, there was a tragedy that hit, though. Because what happened was Naomi's husband and both of her boys, so all three of these guys died while living in the land of Moab, which coincidentally is the land of the Philistines. All right. Some of you, some of you are jumping ahead in your mind already, and that's, that's okay. But what we have is we have, Ru- we have Ruth and, and Orpha and Naomi, and they're living there. And all of a sudden, Naomi gets the word that the famine is over back in her homeland of Israel. And so she wants to return home to her homeland, to the people, her family. I mean, she doesn't really have family other than these two girls now. And, you know, they're, they're daughter-in-laws, and, and that's fine. But, you know, their connection was really through the, 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 the boys. And so she said, you know, I want to move back home. And since the famine's over, I'm going back home. Well, Ruth decided she was going to go with Naomi. But Orpha decided that she was going to stay right there in Moab. Now, what you need to understand is that if you, if you don't see that, what you have to understand is that 
most of you know maybe the rest of the story, how that Ruth went and, and she met Boaz, her, 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 her new husband. And, and, and through Ruth, we have a grandson by the name of David. So David was the grandson of Ruth. What Jewish historians tell us is that the grandson of Orpha was named Goliath. Now what I want to tell you is that what happened as a tragedy that, that, that took all three of those men, it was compounded because what was once family became enemies. What once was a connection now was a competition. And can I tell you that a lot of times it hurts the most when those that are close around you, or anybody in the house... I mean, it, it has to be heartbreaking for these people when, when what was once a family connection and a strength becomes an adversary of war. It started as love. <laughs> Ends up as bitterness and resentment and hostility. I don't know if you've ever been there, but that's what the enemy does. That's what the enemy does, and that's what he does to other people when you try to move on into what... Oh, see, you, you, i got to be careful here, because sometimes you're trying to move into the land where God tells you to go. You're trying to do what God tells you to do. You're trying to be what God tells you to be. And the problem is, is you're going to have some orphans that are going to sire some grandchildren called Goliaths that you're going to have to face off with, even though you are a David. This is why many times we say that you're going to have to face off with some things because there can always be those that refuse to move on and don't want you to either. And this is why we have to deal with giants and bullies. This is why they have to be dealt with because what we won't deal with will sooner or later deal with us. Can I just tell it to you this way? Let me, let me, just, let me just tell it to you this way. Sin not removed and pain not resolved will always plague our best intentions to think and do differently and to face off with any giants in our life. If you refuse to deal with the sin that's within your heart, if you're, if you're harboring something down deep inside, listen to me, sweetheart, as much power as God has, that sin is going to be a deterrent, it's going to be a hindrance for you to do anything else with God. Proverbs 28 says that the one who covers sin will not prosper. Well, Pastor, you, 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 you don't need to judge me. You, you don't need to judge me. God knows my pain. God, yes, He does. Dear one, yes, He does. He knows your pain. And He already made a way to fix it. Turn to somebody and say, well... Come on, what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say that Romans tells us in the 6th chapter. You don't have to turn there, but Romans tells us that sin is not supposed to be our master. So what we've got to do is we don't need to just try to do better. We need to remove the opportunities to fail by dealing with what's dealing with us. So now we have a history. David and Goliath, they have a history already. But let me take you to 1 Samuel, the, 
the, the 17th chapter, and I'm going to uh, pick several verses out through here. I'm going to start with verse number 4. I'm reading on the New Living Translation. It says that Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was a giant of a man. Everybody say giant. Measuring over nine feet tall. That's a big boy. Everybody say big fella. Come on, say it again. Big fella. Verse number 8 says it this way. Goliath stood and he shouted out across to the Israelites, Choose someone to fight for you. And I will represent the Philistines. And we'll settle this dispute in single combat. Move down to verse number 40. It says, David picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd's bag. And then armed only with a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across to fight Goliath. Move down to verse 45, 46. It says, David shouted to him, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 48-51 says it this way, as Goliath moved closer to attack. Come on, somebody. Listen, sometimes you can do all you can. You can begin to speak some words of faith. Come on, baby. I'll take you down on the horse you rode in, devil. Come on. Anybody ever done that? I'll take you out, devil. I, you, you, you messed with me. You messed with my family. You messed with my health. You messed with my finances. You, and I'm going to feed your dead body. And the Bible says the very next thing that happened was Goliath started moving towards him. How many of you know that's when fear usually sets in? Verse 48, as Goliath moved, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David ran away. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. That's, that's another translation. It says, David quickly ran out to meet him. Why would you little punk do that? Do you not understand this boy is nine foot? We just told you he's a big fellow, right? Everybody say big boy. Say he's a big boy. David was probably, estimates put him at about 5'2 to 5'4. Anybody, anybody good at mathematics? Five two five four, nine foot. That's just about double. Everybody say double. And we ain't, we ain't talking about double for your trouble. You know, there's no catchy phrase because this is double for your trouble coming against you. So watch this. As, as, as Goliath moved close to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it from his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled, fell face downward to the ground. And so David triumphed over the Philistine giant with only a stone and a sling. And since he had no sword, he ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath and used it to kill the giant and cut off his head. I like the fact, and here's something we need to see. The Holy Spirit just spoke this to me. Do you notice that the Goliath was coming out to meet him, but he hadn't pulled his sword? Why is that? Because you cannot defy the Almighty God with a child of God who will rise up in faith believing and realize that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That sword had never left its sheath. He was bluster, and he was mouth, and he was brawn, but he didn't have spirit. 
Great God. <laughs> I got to be careful because I got to get on here because I'm, I want I'm to share something with you because I think this is so, this is so awesome. There, there's three words in this. If you're wondering what that is, that's the Holy Ghost reigning on the house. Some of you are going, my Lord Jesus, is it raining that hard? Yes, it is. So you might as well, you might, it's 1030, so we got an hour and a half. You might as well wait till it passes. I'm just teasing, teasing. Watch this. I want to show you three words in this that are so important that you ought to get. Number one, the word David. The word David means beloved. It means beloved. The name Goliath means stripped. Or an exile. And the name of the valley where all this took place was the valley of Elah, which means mighty tree. Rain, Holy Ghost, go ahead. Listen, what, what I'm trying to tell you is a very simple statement. Every giant can be stripped of its power if we, the beloved of God, will take it back to the mighty tree of Calvary. You didn't get that, so I'm just going to pass it on. Listen to me. What I've got to tell you is that the, the, the tree of Calvary, the tree of Calvary, where Jesus died for us, this is where our freedom comes from. This is where Jesus paid the price for us. This is how we deal and have the authority to deal with the giants and the bullies that are trying to invade our homes, our lives, our minds, and our city. This is me. I, I've got, I've just got to be careful because, but I, I hate the pastor Dave had to bury another young girl. I'm, I'm trying to remember now. I was like 19 or 20, 21, 22, 23 years old. 22 years old yesterday because of heroin overdose. She had sit in this house, and we were making inroads to it. Listen to me, beloved. This is why we've got to become some giant killers. Because there's some bullies called heroin and drugs and, and alcohol and pornography and, and mess that's out there in Richmond. And some of us have them in our houses. Some of them have them in our homes and our families. Some of you know that they're at your jobs. There are giants and there are bullies in this city that need to be dealt with. How do we deal with Every giant can be stripped of its power if we, the beloved of God, will take it back to the mighty tree of Calvary. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, for Calvary. Come on, would you just tell him thank you for Calvary for just a second in this house. Somebody tell him thank you for Calvary. But let me, let me give you some practicalities because I, I, I just want to give you just a couple of things and then I'm going to let you go this morning. I'll continue next week. David had some weapons. I told you that he didn't have a sword. That's why he couldn't cut off, his, uh, couldn't cut off uh, Goliath's head. He had to use his own sword. But David did have some weapons. And what I want you to understand is that we have some weapons that we can use too. Everybody say, I have some weapons. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I have some weapons. Say, in the name of Jesus, I have some weapons. Here's what I want to start with this morning. And it is the weapon of our voice. Our voice carries power. And it especially carries power for our lives. Because what we really believe will find a way out of our mouth sooner or later. Listen, if you believe the devil has more power than God, 
You better understand, it's going to creep out of your mouth somewhere, somehow, because your voice carries power, especially for your life. But David wasn't afraid to use his voice as a weapon against the enemy. Why, Pastor? This is so simple. Because he believed in a big God. You see, prior to facing Goliath, he said in 1 Samuel 2, Listen to this. David said, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one but you, O Lord. There is no rock like our God. Listen to me. David was speaking those words with his mouth before he ever faced off with the giant Goliath. Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is that's important because it makes us answer the question, How big is your God? Oh, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me, beloved. I, I feel like we're, we're, we're getting ready in this nation. We're getting ready in this city. We're getting ready in this church. We're getting ready in, in, in this century, in this, this time period. We're getting ready for the attack of the enemy that's going to ramp up. But listen to me. That's nothing to be afraid of because the Bible says that when he comes in like a flood, God lifts up a standard. What is the standard? The standard is the cross of Jesus Christ that goes before us. And every giant can be stripped of its power at Calvary. That's where our healing was affected. That's where our redemption was accomplished. That's where the atoning blood of Jesus Christ that washes away every sin was filled. Listen to me, beloved. David's belief was that God was bigger than any giant or issue in front of him. And that's wonderful. But listen to me, that leaves the question for you, it leaves the question for me. How big is your God? Listen to me, what I'm trying to tell you is, I'm trying to tell you is, 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 if God is not big enough to handle your mess, if He's not big enough to handle your inconsistencies or your ups and the downs and still love you, that's going to be a problem when you start facing off with some giants and bullies in your life. I love that Brandon just said that, you know, this is not about us. This is not us, you know, being eloquent in our prayers. Because how many of you know, how many of you know that when you get, when you have to face off with something that's double your size? Great God, I'm about to, I'm about to, about to drop the mic. And I have to take it off to do it. Listen. When you, when you understand that there are issues and that there are giants in this land, some of you don't understand that there are giants in your life, that their sole intent is to take you down, to make you feel inferior, to make you feel like God has, has forgotten and abandoned you. They are there to bully you into oppression and depression and all that. Listen, great God. They are there to take you out, but God came to take you through. He said, every giant can be dealt with at Calvary. How big is our God? See, when, when, when David started talking to the giant, he didn't talk about how big the giant was. He started talking about how big his God was. I know you've heard this before. But what did David say? He said, I come to you in the name of David. Grandson of Ruth. No, he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. 
He said, I'm going to kill you because God's going to deliver you into my hand. And then I'm going to let the dead bodies of your, 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 your army feed all the birds and the critters that are around here today. Now listen, that's, that's some pretty big talk from a five foot two to five foot four boy. Come on, how many of you know that you have stood up against some giants and you felt every bit of your 5'2 and 5'4? No, I'm not talking about how you felt so powerful. I'm talking about how that you felt so insignificant, so inconsequential, so, so, so small and then so, so, so little when it came to the problem of healing or health or cancer. Come on, somebody. You felt small. You felt small when you got that notice in the mail that your bank account had just done uh, falling off the cliff again. You got you, you felt small when you felt that family member come in and tell you that they were leaving. Come on, somebody. You felt small when that giant started talking to you and saying, You'll never, you can't, and you won't. But what I'm trying to tell you is how big is your God? Great Lord Jesus. You say, Pastor, that's some big talk. Yes, it comes from a big belief. Just kind of smack somebody real quick and say, God's good. And say, God is big. Now listen, listen. Most of us, and I've got to hurry, but most of us say that we believe God. In fact, let me just, let's just do a little test here. How many of you believe that God is big? That's almost 99%. Some of you just didn't raise your hand because you don't raise your hand if I told you I was handing out million dollar bills this morning. You still wouldn't raise your hand. If I told you I was getting a trip ready for heaven today, some of you go, well, <laughs> told you I have new cars for everyone in the parking lot today, and some of you go, well, bless your heart, I love you still. <laughs> I realize you don't want to get committed because <laughs> who knows what this preacher will say next. <laughs> said, I don't want to get out on that limb, preacher. Listen, many of us say our God is big. Listen to me, though. But how many of us have him big in the I wish department, but actually pretty small in the I believe? See, listen, if our God can't make it out of the I wish department, that's going to be a problem when we're facing off with a giant. (laughs) When the hot breath of the bully is facing your face, if your God is stuck in the I wish department, it's going to be a little difficult for you to go, Oh, I believe, I hope. I believe, I wish. God, come on, come on, come on. Listen, how many of you have ever prayed those prayers? I'm not talking about getting the milk from the grocery store. I'm talking about Jesus save me because I'm about to die. Come on, but what I'm trying to tell you, if our God is not big enough to make it out of our, our I wish department, oh, come on, some of, some of you need to listen. I, I, I know this is a little hard, but listen, you can, you can take it. Because if your God is not big enough to make it out of this morning Sunday experience and get all the way into at least Monday, you have a God that is not big enough. How many of us have a God that can intervene in our daily lives, not just our Sunday experience? See, if our perception of Him is too small, it's because we've allowed our circumstances in life to determine His size rather than a faith that says He is the I Am that I Am. What are you saying, Pastor? What I'm trying to tell you is a very simple thing. If you can't see Him as capable of healing, 
He can't heal for you. If you can't see Him as capable of blessing you financially, then prosperity is just a trick that preachers use to try to build the church out of money. Are you in the house? Oh, come on, somebody. I'm just asking, where is your God? Is He in the I wish department or is He in the I believe? We're going to face some giants, folks. We have some giants in the land. We're saying, this is my city, but if this is my city, there are some giants that are going to have to be slain. Told you this was a setup. Let me, let, me, let me show you what the Bible says about God. Luke, the first chapter, says, For with God, how much is impossible? Nothing shall be impossible. Colossians, the third chapter, says it this way And He is before all things. And by Him, all things consist. See, I'm asking for you, is that I wish or I believe? How big is your God? How big is your God? How big is your God? Can, can I, let, me, let, me, let me try to bring this to a close, but let me bring it do this way. And let me tell you how I believe that God is. Let me tell you how big I believe God is. Let me start by saying that He can be big enough to meet every one of our needs every day in every way in every situation if we believe. Big enough. Everybody say, big enough. That means that whatever you're facing today, whatever is coming tomorrow, whatever is lurking around the corner, whatever giant and ever bully that wants to come against your life, this way, are you listening in this house? Whatever is going to happen that God only Himself knows, it doesn't matter because He has already said, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He is big enough. Turn to somebody and say, my God is big enough. But don't stop there because what you've got to understand is that He can also be bigger than every one of our enemies, our failures, our issues, and our problems if we will receive it. Not only big enough, but bigger than... How many of you have ever done and said and been, or, or you, 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 it was reported at least that you did and said and, and all this, you had sin in your life? How many of you have ever blown it more than once? How many of you have not only blown it more than once, but you blew it to a, a large extent? How many of you will admit to the person next to you that they were among one of the best sinners you ever knew? You see, that's one of our problems in church. Is we want to classify our sins, we want to we want to we want to justify them beside of each other and say, well, you know, my sin wasn't as big as yours. Therefore, God probably does love me. Oh, help me, Jesus! Don't make me sweat through my pants and not hear this. See, we want to judge other people's sins, and we want to get into their business. We want to say, well, your your sin's worse than mine because it's not mine. Listen, your sin is not worse than mine just because I'm not doing yours. What do you mean, Pastor? What are you sinning at? Are you sinning? Well, if having evil thoughts sometimes is a sin, I guess I am. <laughs> if wanting to clock somebody's an evil... Well, come on, don't act like you're holy. Thank you. 
If look, oh, see, now I'm going to get to meddling. If, if looking at my checkbook and then trying to write my tithe, and I don't want to write my tithe because of my check. I'm going to sweat through these pants whether you like it or not. Come on. How many of you know that there are things in our life that we got to deal with? But our God. Is our God bigger? Yes, He's big enough and He's bigger than. What does 1 John 4, 4 say? Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. That means, regardless of what the enemy tries to come along and remind you of what you did and how you said and where you went, the Bible says that greater is He. Now that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, greater is He that is in you than He that's trying to talk against you. He's big enough. He's bigger than that. Let me give you one more. And this, I'm, I'm bringing this to a close. Can I tell you that He is the biggest when it comes to loving and caring for us? For staying right beside of us through the dark nights and holding us through every storm of life, if we will allow Him to. The Bible says it this way in Ephesians 2, But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ by grace are ye saved? Listen, I know I said it's closing, but listen, that's what David was saying when he was running at Goliath. My God is big enough. My God is bigger than. My God is biggest. So it doesn't matter how big you are, Mr. Goliath. It doesn't matter how many threats you issue forth. I have been chosen and anointed and appointed to be a giant killer. Well, Pastor, you, you, you don't understand. No, that was right there in the weapon of David's voice. And let me tell somebody this morning, you have that weapon in your voice today. You already have that weapon in your voice. You can begin to do something with your voice. Let me, let, me, let me close this out with just a practicality. You ready? Here's a practical thing you can begin to do with the weapon of your voice. Number one, or just, this is all of this. This is one and this is number ten at the same time. Everybody say, thank God he's closing. <laughs> go ahead. Here we go. Ready? Find your voice of faith about your big God. But can I tell you that your voice of faith has to be founded in a real truth. And that's where I'm going to try to end this up. Because the Bible says in Proverbs the 18th chapter, the tongue can kill or nourish life. What is your tongue doing? Well, Pastor, what are you trying to talk? What are you trying to tell me? I'm saying stop, listen to me very closely. Stop obsessing about your problems and start speaking the word of God to them. Stop fixating on your situation and begin to believe again in the greatness and the bigness of your God. Stop allowing your past to keep your tomorrow in a death grip of hurt and unbelief. Stop allowing the issues of your life to consume your mind and your speech and start speaking to them about your big God.
I'll make you believe this. Stand to your feet. I didn't say he's going home, but stand to your feet. Here's what, here's what I want you to understand. Even if you have messed up with your mouth. Let me, let me just let me ask a question. Don't raise your hand high. Just kind of wiggle it waist high if you have to. How many of you ever messed up with your mouth? Let me talk to you for just a second. I, I don't know. I got you standing. I'm, I'm going to get you out of here. Put some music on so it'll, be, it'll calm the savage beast. Just tease him. How many remember the story of Peter at the crucifixion? The Bible says in John, I believe it's the 20th chapter, 19th to 20th chapter of John, that Peter was in the garden and Jesus, or they were, they were, they, they, they were going through there and, and Jesus, or, uh, Peter said, Lord, I don't care what everybody else does, I'll never use this mouth to deny you. Jesus turned around to him and said, Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me with that weapon called a mouth three times. John records that when Jesus was undergoing the scourging and and, and in the courts, that Peter was on the outside the Bible says that he was warming himself and, and, and he was warming himself by coals. The actual word there is charcoal. So he was burning coals. And it said, the Bible says that someone came along and says, Hey, I think you, you I think I saw you with, with that Jesus. And he said, No, you didn't. I don't know the man. A few minutes later, somebody come back and says, Yeah, I think I'm sure I saw you with them. And he said, No, you haven't. I don't know the man. Finally, a little girl called him out. Mike dropped on him. And said, yeah, you do. Your speech gives you away. You're one of his disciples. And this is what, how many of you know when you really, you really want to make a point, you start cussing. Oh, come on. I'll tell you blankety blank. Come on. He's trying to make a point, and so Peter starts cussing. He says, uh-uh. I do not know the man. And all of a sudden, a rooster crowed. He denied him. He used the weapon of his mouth. How many of you have ever messed up and used the weapon of your mouth? Come on. This is not, this is, this, this is, this is going in good, so wait. The Bible says that after the resurrection... All the boys got together. They thought they'd go on a fishing trip. They're all out on the water. And all of a sudden, something out there walking on top of the water. And, and they see him in the, in, the, in the distance. And all of a sudden, they look back and they, they, they see that it's Jesus. And Jesus is calling. He's, he's walked over to the shore and said, Hey, boys, come on in. You've been fishing all night. Come on in. I've got breakfast cooking for you. Now, the Bible doesn't record how that they were fishing all night, but Jesus has a fish in the pan 
with a fire that they haven't been able to do all night. Jesus invites them in. In John, the 21st chapter, it talks about how that Jesus turns to Peter. And they're at... This is what I love. The Bible says that they're at a charcoal. There's only two times that word in the Greek is used. One is for the place where Peter denied him. And one is at the place where Jesus is going to restore him. Only two places that it ever uses that same word for charcoal. Jesus asked him, he said, three times, Peter, do you love me? What was Jesus doing? Jesus was redeeming every moment that his mouth had messed up. Until the point that Peter got it. And he said, Lord, I love you. Here's what I want you to understand. The first time Peter said, I love you, Jesus asked him, he said, do you agape me? Peter said, I phileo you. We get the word Philadelphia from that. What's that? The city of love. It's brotherly love. So Jesus said, Peter, do you have an agape for me? Do you have an unconditional God love for me? And Peter says, hey, I like you. Because I got out on that thing a few days ago, and I had to cuss a little bit to try to get out of it. I don't know that I want to trust you right now, because I'm I'm a little hurt, I'm a little scared. I, I faced off with a giant, and I got whooped. Are you in the house? You know what Peter, you know what Jesus said to Peter? He said, feed my lambs. You know what that was? That was Jesus reinvesting into Peter trust. He said, I know you messed up, but I know you've repented. I know you used the weapon of your voice against me, but now we're going to turn this around and you're going to use that weapon of your voice for the kingdom. He asked him the second time, said, Peter, do you love me? He said, do you agape me? And Peter said, Lord, I, I, I phileo you. I, I, I really do like you. He said, feed my lambs. The third time, Jesus asked Peter, he said, Peter, do you phileo me? The Bible says that Peter was grieved. And he said, Lord, I love you. He said, Lord, I agape you. Here's what I want you to understand. Jesus was not condescending. He was not trying to blame Peter. He was not trying to fuss at him. He was coming down to his level. He said, listen, I know that you messed up. But I'm going to come down to where you are. And if all you can do right now is fillet on me, I'm going to meet you at this brotherly love. And then I'm going to take you back up. What I'm here to tell somebody today, I don't care if you've messed up with that weapon called your mouth. Telling you that God is ready to redeem it. Here's what the Bible says, and I'm going to close with this. I promise you, I am. So I've heard that before. We have a weapon of our mouth. Psalms, the 47th chapter, the verse 1 says this. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. The word shout there is the word ruah, which means to shout or to sound with the mouth a battle cry. You got a weapon. God has called you to be a giant killer. It may start in your life. 
where you start facing off with the giants that have been coming against you. But you start with your mouth. You say, Pastor, how do I do it? You shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You sound a battle cry from your lips that says, My God is bigger. Big enough. Bigger than and biggest. As a matter of fact, in this house right now, I want you just to, for just about, just about 30 seconds, I want you to open up your mouth. I don't care if you've done messed up in the past. I don't care if you have, if you've messed up even this morning. What I do know is that God said, I'll come to where you are and I will redeem that part for you. I'll redeem those words and you can use that mouth from here on as a weapon against every giant in your life. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to end this out. But we're going to say it this way. Father, I accept your redemption. (laughs) I accept. Because I'm redeemed, I'm free. And if I'm free, I can become a giant killer. So I shout. I shout. I sound a battle cry to every giant and every bully in my life, in my finances, in my health, in my family, in this city. My God is bigger than you. You were defeated. So I shout, Hallelujah, Amen, and so be it, in Jesus' name. Come on now, give him a great shout. Do this, reach up and say, in Jesus' name. You're going to be a weapon of righteousness this week. Reach over and just touch somebody. Don't touch their mouth. Just reach over and touch them. Say, you are a giant killer. Come on, speak it over. Say, you are a giant killer. You have been empowered, enlarged, and enabled. By Jesus Christ. You ready for this? Say now. In the name of Jesus. Go. Do. Be. Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And today, Father, we redeem these lips to become a weapon of righteousness for your kingdom. And even in our house, in this place called Richmond, our Jerusalem, Father, because this is my city. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that loves Him, say amen.